everyone, I am Katie Dalebow and this is Let It Out, a podcast where I interview a diverse group of people who inspire me. We have had writers, comedians, actors, yogis, health coaches, and today's guest, Sam Zabel, is first of all amazing. She works in media for Time Inc. and she's a master at calligraphy. And she used to host a podcast for Real Simple Magazine, where she used to work, called Adulting Made Easy, which is how I discovered her. And she's interviewed everyone from Abby Jacobson from Broad City to Ashley Ford, who we love, who's also been a guest on this podcast, which is how I discovered her when I was preparing for that interview. Anyway, she's fantastic. She had me over to her apartment in Manhattan just last week, and we talked for almost two hours, and it was a delight. I think you guys will really love this conversation as much as I did. We talk about life in our 20s, working in media, relationships, stress, New York, and being Midwestern in New York, body image, of course, podcasting, hobbies, side hustles. We talk about the news a little bit, and her answer about family and her greatest lesson on family might have been my favorite yet. It was simple, but it really was helpful to me. Anyway, I know you'll like that answer and everything we talked about, but before we get to the interview, let's talk about the sponsors. This episode is brought to you in part by Care of Supplements. They are my favorite supplement company, you guys. They source the highest quality ingredients and they deliver them right to you in the most beautiful, personalized packaging. But here's the best part of Care of. They help you curate exactly what vitamin combination you need. You just go to their website, takecareof.com, and you'll take this simple quiz that will ask you questions about your diet and your lifestyle and your stress levels and your sleep, your energy levels, and from there, Care Of custom curates for you exactly what supplements will help with your energy levels, help with your skin, whatever you need. And the best part, at least the best part to me, is that they come to you in this beautiful box. The packaging is amazing, you guys, and they're personalized. They come in these little beautiful packets that say your name on them. I love things that say my name. I think you guys will love them. Try them out. Go to takecareof.com to get your personalized recommendation. And the good news is, since you're a listener of this podcast, you can get 50% off your first order by using the code Katie. That's my name. That's what my care of supplements say on them. And that gets you 50% off. That's half of the percent. So just enter that code at checkout and that gets you 50% off. So that's takecareof.com. Enter the code Katie. This episode is also brought to you in part by FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. We talk in this episode about side hustles and about budgets, and FreshBooks is a great tool for both of those things. You're probably juggling a million things, and keeping on top of your finances is kind of the last thing to go, for me at least, and Being in charge of your money creates more room for abundance in your life. So whether it's tracking for taxes or general, just tracking to know what you're spending, FreshBooks is great for all of that. And it makes you look like a boss if you do have a side hustle and you're sending through invoices to clients. FreshBooks is wonderful. You can even change your colors and your logo to make it really feel like you. It's great. I love it. And the best part is 
since you're a listener of this podcast, you can get a 30-day unrestricted free trial by going to freshbooks.com slash let it out, the name of the show, and make sure you enter let it out in the how did you hear about us section. So that's a 30-day unrestricted free trial of FreshBooks cloud accounting by going to freshbooks.com slash let it out and entering let it out in the how did you hear about us section. That, you know, lets them know that you're supporting the podcast and that we sent you. So thank you so much for listening. Stick around till the end of the episode because I will tell you the emoji. One last thing I forgot before the episode starts, I am doing a live podcast recording on August 24th at 6.30 p.m. at The End, my favorite coffee shop. It's in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. It's the home of the Unicorn Latte, the original Unicorn Latte. There's no charge. Just come hang out. I'm interviewing the founders. They're selling my book at the coffee shop currently and then as well. So we'll hang out. We'll sign books. We'll give hugs. You can get a latte. It will be lovely. Hope to see you there. Enjoy my conversation with Sam. How I found you and I didn't even remember I was thinking I was looking obviously listened to your podcast and I couldn't remember how I found it and then I realized I was interviewing Ashley Ford and so whenever I interview someone I always go on to iTunes and oh. listen to all the podcasts they've done and she had recently done yours and Love I loved her as well and you as the interview did such a great job with that interview it's so funny you say you do research because that was such a weak spot of mine in the beginning I did so much research and I was just an editorial assistant and I was like gotta find every article that's ever been written yeah. and then it became like oh my god I'm recording a podcast in an hour oh like gotta download 80 articles on my phone for the commute <laughs> and then I just walked in and I was like okay so. well that well either way you <laughs> actually I knew I knew perfectly. her work so it worked but yeah some people I it's always really best like, I think when you're excited about the person yeah. that you're you're speaking with she like she was with you. yeah she was great she yeah was so wonderful yeah she was great she's in mind so she's just so talented mm-hmm. and when you guys were talking about how you're both from the midwest I was like me too mm-hmm. I want to meet this girl too and I was moving to New York and so I was like yeah, yeah this this is great That's someone great. I definitely want to have on the podcast yeah and connect awesome. with so well thank you yeah I I related to you so much so I have copious notes today it was lovely like at my walk over here I got to catch up on episodes of your podcast oh. and it was it was lovely so I oh, feel like good. we hung out all day which was great good. I'm so glad <laughs> um but anyway yeah so I started my podcast in 2013 and really feel like I grew up on the internet with the episodes much like you mm-hmm. and and what you spoke about in the podcast. And I think we change so quickly in our 20s, you know? Mm-hmm. We're constantly growing and changing. So what was that experience like for you doing that on your podcast? Um, it was a little bit cringeworthy because I could... I, I unfortunately had an audio diary of that change. Yeah. And I sounded... I, I can't listen to the first couple episodes of the podcast because they just sound so... My voice is, like, six octaves higher. Like, it's just, there's so many things. But um, I, I think, I'm, I feel very lucky that I got to talk about adulthood and the changes of your 20s at a time when I was living it because I don't think people get reassured enough that, like, it's normal to feel overwhelmed. It's normal to feel lost. It's normal not to be at a job you like. Yeah. Not to, I mean, I love my job, but it's normal to you know, just feel really lonely. And I just, I got that affirmation weekly, which was really helpful to me. Um, you know, my, my mom and my parents can only do so much and our friends. And I got, I was, 
I got really lucky. The people who were reassuring me, strangers every week, chefs and um, people who worked in politics and authors who were just always like, oh, yeah, I, I hated like the first five years out of college. They were horrible. I felt really scared and unfortunately... I couldn't do anything about it, and I just had to keep pushing through, and there was no spring yeah. break. And, um, yeah, I, I, I think the podcast ended up being really helpful to me. Yeah. It was great. Do you think that it changed, It helped change you or helped speed up your growth in any way? Um, I think, yes. Well, it made me a lot more confident a lot more quickly Mm -hmm. it made me a better listener it made me a little braver than I was probably when I started um when I started my job I didn't even like people to hear me talk on the phone I would take phone calls even if it was a five minute phone call to order lunch I would leave my desk because I didn't even want people to hear me like I was very nervous yeah um and the podcast really helped me become a little bit more confident with with being able to engage. I mean, you would think that journalism school would have done that, but you can kind of exist, or you, depending on how brave you are, I guess, as a college student, you could really exist in your own bubble. I got away a lot in journalism school with interviewing people within my comfort zone, mm-hmm. with interviewing professors and other students and whatnot. Yeah. And this really forced me to branch out and and um, just give it a shot and say, maybe this really famous author would want to talk to me. I mean, I interviewed Abby Jacobson once. Yeah, that that's what I listened like, to on the way over. Yeah, there was, no, there was no reason why she should have ever wanted to talk to me, but it just kind of worked. Um, so you I did such a great job at that. Oh, I was very starstruck. You would have never known. You would <laughs> have was, never known. You couldn't get it. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I assume it sped it up a little bit. I don't think I would have been as outgoing, as willing to just kind of shoot the breeze with all these yeah you know people who seem to me to have their lives together uh had I not been forced to do it yeah so how how did that come to be how were you in that position to start the podcast what was the impetus of adulthood made easy yeah so real simple was the parent brand of the podcast and they I started their summer it'll be three years that I've been at time inc this summer so I started there August 2014 and that February, they released a book called The Real Simple Guide to Real Life that they were kind of pegging. Real Simple has all this great service about easy recipes, how to just how to do everything in the mm-hmm. world, basically. And so they were calling all that information together for millennials, which I thought was really smart, and um, putting it in a book and pe- pegging it for graduates for mm-hmm. May. And at the time, Slate which is Panoply, which is what my podcast was through, was saying, okay, we have all these great editors and all this great produ- production equipment. We need the talent and the editors and the, and the actual content. So they came to Real Simple specifically because they were looking for lifestyle podcasts and they were specifically looking for one targeted at millennials. Um, and it just so happened that that coincided with this book and it happened at the time that I was like the only millennial in the office and had just really branded myself as the one who had no idea what was going on. (laughs) Like I had just branded myself as kind of the deer in headlights of the office because I was the baby of the office at the time. Um, So that was your first job out of college? That was my first job out of college. And you mentioned you went to journalism school at Northwestern? Yes. So it was my first job. It was within the first six months of the job. They were like, the editor-in-chief called me into her office, I think. Or my boss prepped me that my, the editor-in-chief would be talking to me. And she she was like, would you do this podcast? What do you think about it? I think you'd be great. 
And I was like, sure, I'll do a podcast. Were you so excited or were you scared out of my mind? But I was always told to say yes to everything. That was like the advice I always got. And I, I just said, sure. Yeah, absolutely. I'll do whatever you want. Yes. Anything. And, um, really, it really, the first episode really kept me up at night for a lot of weeks and it worked out. In journalism school, did you study broadcast? Did you study writing? What did you? Where did you? I was on the magazine track, so I studied writing and editing mostly. Um, I took one multimedia class and didn't like it. We did an audio story and a video story, and it's funny now. I work in video strategy, and I don't do any writing and editing anymore. (laughs) And I had a podcast, and it's so it's funny, and you never really know where you're gonna go. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I never did broadcast. I just. And I barely listen to podcasts either. Now I love them. I fall asleep to them. I listen to them on my commute. But at the time, I think the only thing I'd listen to was Serial and maybe a Julie Andrews interview (laughs) that I found just because I was looking specifically to hear her voice. I find her voice very calming. (laughs) So I wasn't, I just was like, oh, I guess maybe there's been a podcast. But I didn't even, I just, I got big. I, th- I work hard, and I'm trying to own up more to the fact that I do work hard, and I, I do try to own up to that, but yeah. I will say getting this podcast was total, like, I was in the right place at the right time, I was the right age when they needed it, and it just sort of worked like that. Now that's so great, to someone who is so earnest, and so, you had the talent, you know, and you could really see that was innate to you, that you can connect with people and have empathy, and then you were a curator of the guests that you had on, and you just did such a beautiful job with that and had over a hundred really great episodes that your own personality really got to bleed into in, in such a beautiful way. So as a listener, <laughs> Thank you're, you. yeah, you're welcome. I don't, as, know that, I don't know if it was so beautiful at the beginning, but it worked out okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, what was that experience like transitioning out of it, and how did that all happen, and how did that make you feel? Um. I was really sad, actually, that yeah. it was over, but it kind of, if, I hope one day that I'll get to, if not pick up Adulthood Made Easy again, not pick up that again, I hope I'll get to talk to people about that time in their life. I think the one regret I have is that I didn't find what the, I wanted the podcast to be earlier, and I think I was just young and nervous and didn't know how much I, you know, when it's your first job and you're 22, you want to please your boss. And I didn't really think of it as my project until I'd been doing it for um, probably six months. I finally started to find some agency and it moved from like really servicey episodes of like how to shop for one and how to open a bank account and how to open a credit card. And it shifted more to just me finding people who had interesting experiences in their 20s that they could talk about and it turned into it felt to me that it turned more into kind of what we're doing now just talking and and learning about experiences um so transitioning out of that I felt sad because I'd met so many wonderful people and I'd gotten to talk to so many people you and I said we're talking before Ashley Ford was a, a, a writer that I so greatly admired um we got to talk Mara Williams, who I, Mara, sorry, Mara Wilson, who I never would have, I mean, I grew up watching Matilda and Mrs. Doubtfire, and and then other people who I never would have met either, just random authors I came across on frantic Google searches of like, cool millennials or whatever I did to search for it, so when I finally got this new job, 
I sort of realized that if I wasn't going to be under the real simple umbrella and also Panoply was changing its strategy and it just sort of happened that the podcast was going to have to come to an end but I felt like 100 episodes felt good two years felt really solid and um I don't I don't want to close the door on on podcasting again or doing something similar because yeah. it was so great but I I do miss and I miss it was a really interesting part of my job that I really miss yeah yeah well, it's great that the archive still exists, and it's people are still finding it all the time, like me, you know, and I found it after it was already over, and or about to be over, I think, yeah. and emailed you, which I'm sure you probably still get messages about it, and now, you know, you have this great archive that you could start something new and hit the ground running, so yeah, it's. Great. I mean, I the people who listen to the podcast, it grew pretty organically, and it, the nicest people. I know people say the internet it has a lot of mean people, but the nicest people in the whole world listen to Adulthood Made Easy. I mean, just like week after week, just like such sweet so messages. Cool. And it always made me laugh because I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing in my life. So it's so funny that people would be like, thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm like, really? Because I, I st- I'm still well, <laughs> I think mucking through. You're making people feel less alone. And I feel like yeah. that's what I'm doing with this, or trying to do with this podcast. It's like, I have no idea. We're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. I think we're around the same age. I'm yeah. like 27. And it's like, you know, I think I just want to feel like I'm not the only person feeling this way. And I think that's what podcasts do. It's mm-hmm. someone else going through it at the in real time. And, and I think that is a gift right there, you know, yeah. just for people to not feel alone. And I also think, too, about, like, the internet troll thing. I think YouTube and even Instagram and other social medias are less intimate, even though you can see people and they're visual, than mm-hmm. podcasting. Because with podcasting, there's something about you're, like, whispering in people's ears and you're accompanying them in these really intimate areas of their life, like their commute or falling asleep at mm-hmm. night or, you know, waking up first thing in the morning and, and you're kind of on in the background in this intimate way, I think. And then and then also just purely the sense of like it's not as easy to send a negative comment yeah. as it is on yeah. <laughs> you would have to actually like find the person, find their email right. or their social media and then like send something mean. So it's like Usually trolls, like, aren't that determined, I think, you know? So, it helps when you're a lower-profile person, yeah, too. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of just, like, I, I've had the same th- experience of just the yeah. nicest people. It's all, like, this, everyone I, who listens to the podcast is a friend of mine. I, even yeah. if I haven't met them yet, they they know me, and I'm sure I will love them whenever I meet them, you know? Yeah. So it's it's an intimate, it's my favorite platform as well. I think it's mm-hmm. it's such a welcome medium to communicate now I think we've we miss these like long form conversations when there's so many sound bites everywhere and it's interesting like when you and I went to journalism school podcasting or at least when I was in school wasn't even a thing so it was nothing that like I I also went to journalism school studied I was on the broadcast journalism track but I all the prereqs were radio for tv news and I remember like not enjoying the prereqs and being like, ugh, I just want to get to TV. Yeah. But looking back, that's kind of what I do now, but in my prereqs on radio, there was no talk of podcasts. Right, it was always just this, it was This American Life, but you didn't even think of that as a podcast. It was just like, do you listen to This American Life? Right, right. And that was about it. Right, right. It was like, yeah, it's so I was not an early adopter. I know that there was was a lot of great stuff out there. I just didn't listen to it. Yeah, it's so interesting. So how is your new job now? What What are you doing now? 
So now I do social video strategy across Time Inc. So that's a really, it is so tough to explain to me <laughs> to what I do succinctly, but it's it's basically working with all the Time Inc. brands. So that's Time, People, Real Simple, Cooking Lights, Sports Illustrated, Coastal Living, My Recipes, In Style, Essence. Um, there's a ton of them. And working with them on how their video content can best be distributed across social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Um, Not just like best views, but also making sure everyone's using the best practices. When Facebook comes out with new products, how can we implement them on our brands if they're video-related products? Uh, Just taking my time as a social manager and shifting it more towards social video in a way. I'm that's, still sort of figuring it out. That's so specific. <laughs> yeah, it's that's very so specific. specific. That's really cool. Yeah, it's one of those jobs. I, it makes me happy because whenever people ask me for a five-year plan, I always said, I don't think that my job in five years has even been invented yet. And as it happens, mm. this job was a new position they created in February 2017. So wow. I feel like I was right. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of feel good about yeah. that. Yeah, and what you're doing in five years. Who knows? But mm-hmm. I'm sure it's not created yet. Yeah. Another thing that you brought up on the podcast, speaking of work, that I relate to a lot, and I I think people of our generation and millennials just in general, is side hustles. Mm -hmm. And you yourself have one. How did you get into calligraphy? I am Your work is beautiful. Oh, thank you very much. Actually, before you got here, I was working on a... Something for a bachelorette party. Oh, good. (laughs) Um, I am prone to a lot of anxiety, and when I moved to New York, I was... As you know, I'm, you're sitting in my studio apartment. I live by myself. Good. So um, I, and I just was really, had a lot of anxious energy. Um, and I set a New Year's resolution for myself. I was I was on winter break, not winter break. <laughs> we don't get those anymore. Yeah. Winter of 20, hey, when I was home for the holidays in December 2015, I started looking up. I think brush calligraphy and all this kind of this modern calligraphy start was starting to pop up on Instagram. I've always loved handwriting. I was a kid who could emulate anyone's handwriting. I made all the posters cool. for games or whatnot or decorated people's doors. Yeah. Um, and I looked up an intro kit online and I needed a New Year's resolution. And I was talking to my mom about it and she said, I actually think that would be a really great way mm-hmm. to kind of keep yourself occupied and keep your hands occupied and your mind occupied because even though watching I watched a ton of TV but it it wasn't enough of a focus for me you know you can really kind of zone out and I needed something that I could zone in on and focus on and not let my mind get too crazy so I set it as a random New Year's resolution bought a pack of brush calligraphy markers and an intro to calligraphy kit and wrote the alphabet basically for two hours a day every day um, and started an Instagram because I didn't want to annoy the people who followed me. Mm-hmm. So I started a separate one and people started asking, just like friends would ask me to write their name on something or, you know, I would make someone a gift that would be handmade. And I just kept practicing and trying out new tools and it's a really positive community too. So it was also really good for my anxiety. Um, and now yeah, now I do wedding envelopes and 
Um, I'm not, I don't do two, I don't, I haven't made it like a full-time business because I do still have a full-time job and I do still love Netflix and and whatnot. But, (laughs) um, yeah, it, it started out as just kind of a new year's resolution to, to kind of calm me down and it became a really, really fun and, you know, a a project, a hustle. Yeah, I love that. And I love that that was a topic of adulthood made easy because I think it is so common in our Mm -hmm. generation and and wonderful it's so great to have something that you know I I also have a full-time job and do this outside of of, this isn't kind of my calligraphy what we're doing right now yeah 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 and I think it's nice to not have to put the pressure on that hobby Mm -hmm. or that passion project to make your money I learned this from Elizabeth Gilbert's new book Big Mm -hmm. Magic Mm -hmm. not new but most recent book Mm -hmm. and she talks about how before Eat Pray Love came out she always had another job at the same time because she's never had to put the pressure on the work creatively to make money and and then she could you know still fulfill play all the notes of herself yeah so do you feel like what's kind of your advice for someone who you know is living in New York City and wants to do something or not New York City but is just busy and young and in their 20s and wants to make the time to do something like that how did you kind of, especially when it was new, force yourself to make time to do something you know you want to do and is fulfilling, but you have a limited time to prioritize that? Sure. Um, well, I think what was what's interesting for me about calligraphy is, like I mentioned, it's actually something I've, in a way, always been interested in. Like, I really was always really interested in handwriting mm-hmm. um, and doodling and... I remember being a camp counselor. This is so bizarre. But I remember being a camp counselor, and one day we did a carnival, and every counselor was responsible for having a game station. And so someone did, like, bags, and someone did, I don't know, one of those things where you knock the soda, we turned the gym into a carnival, and I couldn't think of a game, and everyone had already paired up, and I was like, okay, I'll bring in, I have all these old pieces of 5 by 7 cardstock, I'll bring in my markers, and I'll just write the kids' names really fancy, with embellishments. And... I remember I had to skip lunch that day with everyone because I had I was like back ordered. Yeah, <laughs> I had like too many every camper. I just have always been really interested oh. in it. So I think that the first step is finding something that some people have the personality to pick up something totally new. I think it's easier if you're super busy to find something that you already have some sort of passion yeah. or interest in. That's pretty obvious, but I think you might find it in surprising places. Um, And then I also think that you have time to do it. You just don't realize it. Like, I would, if someone would have said, yeah, you have to practice two to three hours a day, I would have said, I have no time. I don't have time to practice two to three hours a day. But I've found the time in my day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I even wake up a half hour early because I know I want to write something before work or I know I meant to. The calligraphy Instagram community has, like, prompts for you to write different words out or whatnot. So I know that I want to wake up in the morning to write out a couple of things or send someone a letter or decorate an envelope. Um, So I actually think that we have time in our day. We just take up that time by watching Netflix or just kind of puttering around or scrolling through Instagram for hours, and I do all those things too. But I think if you find something you're passionate about that you want to put the time in, you actually probably do have the time. And, I mean, I used to bring my markers to work. That I, I was like, I could take 15 minutes and go to the cafeteria and doodle a little, and it made me more productive at work. And yeah. I 
came back to my desk and I had I felt like I got to do something I loved for 15 minutes and it felt great and no one's gonna penalize you for a 15 minute break so um you know what's it's funny that like what's the difference between that and looking at your phone for 15 minutes exactly like you know that's what this has sort of become it's like instead of me coming home and just sitting on the couch and scrolling through Instagram and thinking about oh I have to make dinner it's almost like I'm excited to get home and get through dinner and and get all situated so that I can do calligraphy and I think I mean I think you have to be mindful like maybe you can't take up I don't know something super complicated I think a lot of craft like hobbies are pretty good because you can do them while you watch tv or whatnot um if you want to take up you know, if you like to write, I think technology has made it really easy and fun to change what it means to quote unquote blog, whether yeah. that's podcasting or having a dedicated Instagram or whatever it might be. I had a yeah. friend who was like coming up with personalities on Snapchat with the funny filters. So I think there's a lot of fun mm-hmm. things you can I do, but that. you do have the time. You just spend yeah. it watching Netflix. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I had um, Josh Radner on my mm-hmm. podcast who was in How I Met Your Mother, and he said that the director of that show when he got that role was like you know this is great this is a big deal but just so you know it's not going to hit all of your notes creatively because he Mm -hmm. was like a theater actor you're going to have to like find other things to hit all of your notes and at first I think he said that he was like well this takes up a lot of my time I don't know if I want to do that but then he ended up you know doing other things outside of that which was his kind of version of a full-time job or mm-hmm. was a full-time job and I yeah. think I related to that so much because you know even if you like your job even if your job fulfills you creatively I think you know our unused creativity ends up not being benign if we don't actually use that in some way yeah. so anyway I think it's great to what we just talked about yeah and I don't think I think some people are very adamant that they're not the creative type or whatnot. I think probably everyone has a creative instinct. It just might not be... The, I don't think it, that means you need to be a watercolor painter to be no. creative. I think if you're really into technology and you want to code apps in your free time... Yeah. You know, we have, I have a coworker, an old coworker who was a great coder, and we decided to make a funny app for a friend for her birthday and she was like this is actually really nice it's you know it's I do this kind of programming stuff all day but it's kind of creative for me and fun and allows me to be a little more loose with something I love so I don't know I think you can probably find something that you like to do and I mean, I think I've proven that even in a one-room apartment, you can make space yeah. for it. <laughs> yeah. You just have to get things that collapse and fold up and, yeah. and have drawers and bins. <laughs> yeah, it, and yeah, I love that we're talking about hobbies because I think it's so important. That stuck with me from your podcast and, and so many things. Is there one episode or one lesson or a couple even that have stuck with you that you've really in- implemented in your life since the podcast? Um, yeah, I mean, there are a lot. I, again, I think the overarching idea that you are fine and you don't have to have everything figured out was, was just a really nice overarching theme. But then, I mean, there were a couple of other, I did an early episode I did was, which I always talk about is, um, I want to say her name is. I hope I get this right. Maybe we can check it. Megan mm-hmm. Gebhardt, who wrote 52 Cups of Coffee. And she started out just 
wanting to get coffee with someone and then she decided, oh, I wonder if I could get coffee with a new person every day or every week for a year. And then it turned into a project, a blog, 52 Cups of Coffee. And the idea of really simple, small, easy ways to make connections and the idea that you can create a project out of something like that, that was sort of the first side hustle or creative spark that I had seen on the podcast or listened to on the podcast. And I thought that she was really brave and really interesting and she just followed something that was kind of a seed of an idea and started out with just coffee in her community and I think she ended up going to Europe and having arranging coffee dates with some people in Europe and she met I want to say she met the founder of Amazon but I could be wrong or the someone high up in Apple she just kind of pushed herself and and went nuts um I interviewed uh Nelufar Hadayat who was a um journalist who did this seven part series on fusion about different about trafficking um, drug trafficking, human trafficking, whatnot. And she's just put herself in some incredibly difficult situations journalistically. She's our age. She's, I'm 25. She might have been 26. Um, she worked with the BBC and then she worked with Fusion. Um, and most optimistic person I'd ever met. When she came in for the podcast, she had her hair dyed rainbow. She was so happy, so positive. I remember it was the day. It was two days maybe after the election and so mm. I was totally out of it and really in a fog and she was you know just she has such a good outlook on life and I think that that was a really good lesson too which is that you know you can't you have to have a bigger perspective and you have to think about where where is this gonna what how is this gonna impact me in a, in two weeks in a yeah. month in a year am I gonna be so upset about this in the year if the answer is yes then like give it its due if you are going to be upset about this, if you've suffered an incredible loss, if you've yeah. you are dealing with an you know some kind of pain that you're going to be upset about in a year or two, absolutely sit with it, rest with it. If it's something that you know in two weeks you're going to look back at and say this is so silly, then why don't you just move on now? <laughs> you know, I love that. Um, and a lot of the importance of of having some kind of creative outlet was another, which I think I put took that to heart. Um, and I think overall it was just the, the idea that that it, it all sort of, you just kind of have to make the, I said this, this is sort of my mantra for 2017, which was just, you don't have to always make the best decision, you just mm. have to make a good decision. You just have to make something that feels good to you. If choices A and B both feel good, then just pick one. You know, it doesn't yeah. have to be, okay, but which is, what is the best choice right now? You just have to say well, this feels good and maybe this is the easier choice and it feels good, so great. I'm just going to go with that. Like, you're never going to... That sort of was an underlying theme that I've really, really tried to to live as much as I can, as much as one person who's a little neurotic can. Yeah. (laughs) I think decisions can be so debilitating. Yeah, paralyzing. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I'm glad that's not just me. Oh, I can't make... My my parents know that I, I can't even... I don't even like deciding where to go to dinner. Oh, me neither. I don't like doing. I, I, have I don't like making right any now thinking about it. Yeah, I yeah. don't like any decisions. I don't. I didn't like. I had to move apartments. I it totally. It. I just the amount of decisions of what moving company and when. How do you pack and what should we throw away and and should I sell my furniture and yeah. what should I move there and and then what and then you walk into one room of an apartment. And you're like, well, how do I set this up? And well, where am I now? I have to get to know this new oh, neighborhood. Yes. And I'm 
It was horrible. In the same boat. Yeah. yeah. And then there are like obviously bigger, you know, when, when I had to go with this new job, it was like three weeks of crying because I yeah. didn't know if I wanted to leave. Well, I think it's jarring, you know, mm-hmm. and I think, I think maybe, I've been saying this a lot that I, I don't think life gets easier and I don't think decisions get easier, but I think we get better as we get older because we have more experience sure. and it's not the first time we're going through something. Right. So I feel like that is one element that we have on our side right. with like age. So I And I know. certainly recognize that making decisions about moving apartments in New York is like a very lucky place to be in yeah, to make those course, decisions but... and deciding between staying at a job I love or trying a new opportunity yeah. are two great positions to be in. Like I I consider myself very lucky that I haven't had to make any really actual, like, yeah. really tough decisions. But um, it doesn't make them but, any less yeah, but challenging I, or jarring to right. your daily life. So I'm, I am trying to keep some a little bit more perspective. Like, yeah. is this really, with everything going on in the world right now, like, what, what, what should we really be upset about? Yeah. <laughs> And nine times out of ten, it's not like, where should we go for dinner? Right. They're like bigger things. I find that it, for me, it's always that I'm like fearing regret. Mm-hmm. I think decisions in New York City are, it's like a big thing because mm-hmm. there are so many choices here. Yeah. So it's so easy to have regret when it comes to where you went to dinner because there are eight million places that yeah. might have been better, you know? Yeah, that's why I like to cook because I only can cook like three things. Yeah. <laughs> so the decision process is a lot easier. It's like, am I making pasta? Am I making rice or am I making eggs? <laughs> I think decisions just are really stressful. Yeah. You know? Yes. I agree. Anyway, another thing you, you talked about in the podcast quite a bit was finances. And yeah. you had a lot of episodes on that. What was your greatest takeaway on finances and money and, you know, being someone who's supporting themselves in New York City? What What are some of your big lessons from that? Um, my first big lesson is that I don't think you really need to make a budget. I think you just need to figure out what works for you. I think there's a lot of pressure that, like, th- that's, like, the number one piece of advice for a 20-something graduating college is make a budget right now. And maybe it does mean that you sit, open an Excel doc and make a line on a budget. Maybe you're responsible enough to be conscious enough of what your input and output is every month. Maybe you use an app like Minted. Maybe you have a note in your phone. I think... You just have to figure out how to best responsibly keep track of your own financial situation. And it doesn't mean that you need to sit down and create some kind of like complicated spreadsheet that automatically updates when, you know, I use Minted and it just kind of updates me and alerts me. Um, I, I mean, there are a couple things that I learned that again come with being lucky with having a job that has benefits, like contributing to a 401k was an incredibly easy click of a button. Um, I think the most important thing is just to ask a lot of questions and never feel stupid about saying, can you clarify yeah. how, what percent I should be matching this or or asking around for your friends of, of what what credit cards do they use and mm-hmm. would you mind giving me a range for what you pay for rent so that I know going yeah. into this what I should be um, paying for this apartment and how I can best negotiate with my landlord. Um you know, being really honest when you go out to dinner, this restaurant looks way too expensive. Can we do something a little cheaper and easier? Um, you know, being conscious of not getting, you know, not going out if your friends want to go to dessert or drinks afterwards, just going and, you know, not, there are different ways to cut there. I mean, I also babysit um, just to make a little extra money on the side. I've tried to, this calligraphy job sort of 
helps with a little extra cash yeah. flow. But, um, and then the the only other thing I would say, which isn't necessarily about budgeting, is that my friends and I have gotten really, have tried to become a little bit more honest about what do you make and what are you earning and how do yeah. I best negotiate my salary because I think the best way to be a financially sound person in the city um, is to know what you're worth at your job. And something like media has kind of murkier guidelines. You know, like a consulting firm or a finance place, they have very obvious steps to your next salary raise. Media, you really have to ask for it and step Mm -hmm. up and startups the same way. So I think it's all just about being able to talk to your friends about money, whether it's I'm money's really tight for me right now and I really don't want to go out to dinner. I'd rather just you come over and we can watch TV and eat, you know, you can order food to my apartment and I'll cook something or whatnot and just being able to talk to your friends yeah. about money. Do you think that our generation will be, I think it is such a taboo for talking about money traditionally. Do you think our generation is changing that with having conversations like this and trying to be more open about it? In some ways, I think money is, I think it comes from your parents and yeah. the people older than you who taught you about money and I think as long as it's sort of a tough topic for them it's going to be a tough topic for us yeah um plus it's kind of complicated and it feels really scary to manage your own finances because you want to be smart and you want to be responsible and you want to take advantage of every opportunity and and this is just an expensive time of your life that you're well, it's not as expensive, I guess, as if we had kids, but yeah. it feels expensive. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but, um, especially here. I don't know. I mean, I would like to think that we were better about it, but money is just weird. I don't yeah. know why. I never really cracked that. Yeah. But it, just talking about money, it just it clams everyone up, which yeah. is fair. You shouldn't have to talk about what you don't want to talk about, but if I don't know what you pay for rent, then how do I know right. where to, you know, how do I know if my landlord's ripping me off? If, right. if I don't know what you make and you don't know what I make, how do we know if, you know, we're being treated equally yeah. at the workplace? You know, if I don't, if I'm not honest with you that, like, I've had to pay for a lot of crazy things this month with weddings and whatnot, I don't really want to go to this fancy dinner. Yeah. Can't we just order, like, a pizza? <laughs> you yeah, know? Exactly. They're different. I don't know. Well, speaking of uncomfortable things, as the host <laughs> of the podcast... Were there ever moments interviewing someone where you were surprised by something or you felt like you had to pivot or you just even like lost your train of thought or there was a moment where you had to kind of get back into it? There's this great podcast right now that you might actually really like. I'm really loving it. Jesse Thorne hosts. It's called The Turnaround. And he interviews everyone from like Terry Gross to Larry King and Katie Couric about the art of interviewing, so I'm kind of pretending I'm him right now. Oh, that's How, cool. Yeah, it's cool. I, I think you'd really like it. But did you have any moments like that, or are there any, you know, as someone in working in media, any tips that you learned from doing that? Well, it's actually so funny. I used to come with a really prepared script, and I had my like five, ten to ten questions that I, I had my intro written out, and I had my five questions or so that I wanted to ask, and I was the worst, it was the those interviews are so bad because I I didn't listen to the guest. So I wasn't even pivoting. It was just like full stop, next question. There was no yeah. there were no like art like what you're doing with like artful segues and like <laughs> speaking of this, I was like 
I would always, my dad, I can't remember what my vocal crutch was, but my dad called me after one podcast and he goes, you know, you do this, but it was something to the effect of you would answer a question and I would say, okay, interesting. So what do you think about, and there was no, I, it was like, I wasn't even processing their answer. And I think what happened was one day I didn't have time to write a script or I started running out of time so that questions went to bullets and bullets went to me jotting things down on a piece of paper and bringing them and then me jotting things down on a receipt and then me just sort of taking notes on my phone. Um, And I think actually the less I came with a prepared prescription for how the conversation was going to go, the better the conversation went because I could I didn't want to be caught off guard, yeah. especially if I was interviewing Abby Jacobson or um, I interviewed Anne Marie Slaughter or Ashley Ford or Nell Hadiat or people I really respected and wanted to respect me. Um, I really felt like I had to listen and I couldn't zone out on a conversation yeah. and I couldn't let my eyes wander, which I tend to do. And um, I so that actually really helped me. It was was I didn't have a script anymore, and I didn't even have a script for the introduction because I, I I wanted it to sound like I actually liked them, and I was really excited to talk to them. And I found that the most interesting things about them would stick in my mind, and I could just the the intros felt a little more um, enthusiastic to me. Um, I had a couple times where maybe someone would ramble, and I think I got pretty good at kind of bringing everything back, but. I was lucky that the podcast sort of benefited from stories going whichever way they wanted to go. <clears throat> um, yeah, I, I, it was just, I became a really, really good listener, and yeah. I wasn't a good listener at the beginning. I was just, I have my five things I want to get out of this yeah. show, and that's it. And I, it became so much, and some of the best conversations went places I never would have guessed yeah. because I showed up and I was like, okay. We'll, we'll find out what we're talking about today. Yeah. Sometimes I had to record the intro afterward mm-hmm. because I could then say, we're going to talk about this and this because right. I wouldn't know going yeah, into it. Yeah, that's what I do now. Yeah. It's, it's interesting, and I've that's been my experience as well. The ones I'm least expecting to be great end up being wonderful and yeah. vice versa. And on that podcast I mentioned, apparently Larry King likes to not prepare so much that he won't read their book, he doesn't listen to anything on them, he won't do any type of preparation because he says it's the best interview is when he's in the same position as the viewer, and so he likes Mm -hmm. to be completely in the dark, and and then Katie Couric said that she does somewhere in the middle, Uh because there's Larry King on one spectrum, and then there's someone else that she mentioned who was on the other end, and so I think it's that dance of, you know, kind of knowing the person's work well enough to be able to be educated on on them mm-hmm. enough to have a informative conversation, but then not, you know, guiding it to these specific places. And anyway, it sounds right. Like... I, I, I felt like if I was ever really caught off guard, it felt really authentic to the show. It felt like if if they went a different direction or really surprised me with something, it I wasn't afraid to say, "Oh, I'm really surprised." Or I don't know what that means. Can you explain that yeah. to to me and maybe any listeners who don't understand? So I didn't mind being in a vulnerable position. I just, my goal of every show, my secret goal, which I guess now is not, not mm-hmm. no longer secret, was I always, <laughs> I always wanted the interviewee, the guest, to, to respond to one of my questions with, that's a really good question, mm-hmm. or I have to really think about that. Love that was that. always my goal. And I would say eight out of ten times I got it. And that those kinds of questions come up from 
me sitting here and listening to you and, and having something you say spark a question yeah. in my head rather than me having a list of five questions that are not that interesting yeah. because they're not sparked by any of the interesting experiences that come up. Um, but I remember the couple times that I was able to get people say, oh, that's really interesting. I never thought about that. Or, wow, you really, that's a good question. I yeah. was like, yes. I know. I feel <laughs> that the felt same great. Way. I feel the same way. I feel like we're getting very inside baseball on yes, this. Yes, I know. I could talk about your podcast forever, and I have, like, so many more things I, I could ask, so maybe we'll veer back into that. But how I've been usually starting the podcast lately is with this question, but we I got right into talking about your podcast, so I didn't. But I'll ask you now, what have you been really interested in lately? What have you been contemplating, realizing, reading, just thinking about in the past super recently, like today, this week, this month? I mean, I don't know how dark this podcast gets, but today I'm thinking that New York is probably one of the top cities that will be bombed in a nuclear attack from North Korea. So I had to contact my mom and say, do you think we're really going to get attacked? And she said, no. So that was today. Um, I, what have I been thinking about recently? I've been thinking about, I mean, I, I spend, I work on the same floor as the news team producers. So I think about the administration and the current political climate all day. It's not my favorite way to spend my brain space, which is why, um, I've become a big reader. I mean, I've always been a big reader, but I've become a more voracious reader because I need, uh, fiction and nonfiction, mostly fiction, because I need like the escape. Um, I've been thinking. I've been really trying to think more of. I've been realizing that like the there are some things that go on day to day that I have zero control over. I.e., like what North Korea does. Like they're not going to consult me. They like they have zero interest in my opinion. I wish they would. Yeah. So North Korea is not going to knock on my door and and ask what I think they should do. Um, so I've really been trying to, so like today a friend and I were having a conversation about it and she was feeling really upset and I was like, you know, I just, I, there's just nothing I can do. Like that's just out of my ability to comprehend. So we've really tried to focus on finding the slivers of good news. Like I was looking at all the different children's authors that are coming out with books about um, refugee children and refugee stories to communicate to young kids. And um, I kind of have been trying to seek out that type of news so that I can still be informed but not overwhelmed. Yeah. Um, I've just recently turned 25, so I have, like, my quarter-life crisis realizations every couple weeks. Um, today was the, like, where am I going to be in five years? I don't know what I'm ever going to do if I have to buy a house. Do I have to live in New York forever? This place is so overwhelming. There are sirens all the time. Um <laughs> there's that realization of I wish that there was a more concrete plan which goes against everything I've said previously in this conversation which is that everyone told me it's so nice that you don't have to worry about it but I still do yeah um we're human yeah I don't know do those count as realizations do people say more eloquent things than that no that was (laughs) those are very dark I, I mean I also have a lot of I'm also a very happy person I mean I I like I have a lot of happy things in my life too but I, when you work in media, there's just no escaping, like, the yeah. crazy things that go on every day. And just, like, how did we get here? And how can I contextualize this against, like, what's really going to happen versus what's just getting tweeted out mm-hmm. versus, I mean, I have to, I've 
I've never been this involved in understanding what's going on in our, and maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I go back and forth. Yeah. If this is good that I've been woken up like this, or if maybe I would have liked to sleep in a little more. <laughs> yeah. I think being awake, being woke, if you will, to all of these things is so important, but it should be acknowledged that it is exhausting in this yeah. world that we live in. And because the, I think the a way to protect yourself is self-care, which yeah. it sounds like you have a great self-care practice with calligraphy and these other things. And yeah. I want to go back to what you said about living in New York. Yeah. Especially since I first just moved here and yeah. we're both from the Midwest. So, yes. So why New York? You've been here for a couple of years now. You're from Ohio? Ohio okay. Outside of Cleveland. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I know. I I should be nicer about New York since I did choose to move here. It felt really inevitable to me because why of media. You, okay. So you did you want to move here growing up as a kid? Um, we spent a lot of time in New York. I was a theater kid. I loved Broadway shows. Um, my mom had family on the East Coast, so when people were doing weekends in Florida or weeks in Florida, we came up to New York. Um, I do really like it. I had a lot of my network here from internships and whatnot, and at the time when I really thought I wanted to do magazine journalism, it just felt like the only option. I, I, I'm hot and cold on New York. I do feel like I've been able to find a way to live here in a Midwestern manner. And sometimes that just means that I say good morning to every single person I pass. Um, other days I feel very New York and I'm just grumpy and grouchy and elbow pushy. Um, but yeah, I have... I'm hot and cold on this city. It's yeah. very loud and crowded and expensive, but the park is really pretty, and there's a lot of really interesting culture here, and I've, I've gotten to see some talks and readings and stuff that I would never get to see in my suburb, suburban home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It's a. I mean, you should... It'll be great. I know you just moved here. (laughs) But you'll love it. It's, I just, I am so ambivalent about it sometimes. Yeah. And you've also been here, what, a couple of years now? Three. Three years. This is my three year anniversary with New York coming up. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you very much. It has yet to get me an anniversary present, (laughs) is what I'll say about New York. Well, as a kid, did you know you wanted to go into journalism? Hmm. No, I think I wanted to be a, I I wanted to be a teacher for the bulk of my, I wanted to be an English teacher. Mm -hmm. I, I, I then wanted to be in the theater. I wanted to be on Broadway, but I can't dance. So that was short lived. So you did theater all through high school? I did theater elementary, middle school, high school. Nope. I'm the oldest of, my sister is two years younger than me. Her birthday's coming up. Um, I toured. I was always just going to be an English major and figure out what I wanted to do. I I wasn't on the school paper. I liked to write, and that was sort of it, and I liked to read. Um, My mom and I flew to Chicago. A family friend went to Northwestern. He asked, he he said he'd be happy to tour the campus with us. I'd been on zero campus tours. We flew to Chicago for the day, literally flew in at 7 a.m., and we had a 7 p.m. flight out which you can do from Cleveland to Chicago because you lose, you gain an hour going there. So we took off at 7 a.m. Cleveland time and landed at 7.05 a.m. in Chicago. It was very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's he, like that from Michigan. Too. Yeah, it's great. 
And he, I was a sophomore in high school. He toured us around. It was cold and windy. I was like, great, this is where I'll go. I don't need to tour any other colleges. Sure, you're in the journalism school? That sounds great. I never thought about being a journalist, but sure. Um, which probably makes sense why I was so nervous to interview people. I wasn't, I was never like, I never dreamed of being a journalist. I wasn't like, mm-hmm. oh, I want to crack all the investigative cases and like <laughs> get on the ground places. I just wanted to write and tell stories, which is why yeah. I think I gravitated so much more towards just talking to interesting people. And um, I did a lot of books coverage at Real Simple. I never was like the hard hitting person who need, who wanted to like get every source. That was never yeah. me. But I don't, as we know, I don't like making decisions. So I toured this campus. I really liked it. It kind of worked. It fit all my boxes. I liked the color purple. Mm-hmm. And I just, true to my neurotic self, threw all of my effort for the next year and a half into meeting every single one of Northwestern's specific qualifications on collegeboard.com, which I checked every single day to see if it had changed to make sure that I still fell on the spectrum of a, a good Northwestern applicant. And um, luckily it paid off. My mom and I always talk about how there was no plan B. And, like, had I not gotten in, we we really did, like, we just entertained no other options. Yeah. <laughs> so it could have been a pretty big disaster. But, um, yeah, it was, I wanted to be an English teacher. I don't know how I ended up here. <laughs> you ended up here in New York. Yeah. I, I love that you, the thing you said about saying good morning to everyone. And yeah. It sounds like, and I relate to this as well, and Ashley Ford did too, being Midwestern is a defining characteristic of your personality. Yes. Do you, what are some ways that that manifests or have, have people called you out on that since being in New York? Yeah, I mean, I think that my my lack of bravery when it comes to crowds and stuff like that is kind of calls me out as Midwestern. People get on my oh, accent. Occasionally I'll say something. Apparently I say fireworks weird. I don't know. I don't hear it, but I'm also right. I don't. I, there are a couple things like that. Um, the friendliness. I also. I think that like I call out if something happened in Cleveland. Like I'm very loyal to Cleveland and yeah. people. Um, people make fun of me for that, but. Yeah, I don't know. I never. I always think that everything I do is perfectly normal and the the gold standard for all yeah. of humanity. So I don't notice yeah. it. Um, I think the the friendliness of like I'll check out it. Dwayne Reed or CVS and oh hi how are you how was your day and people do make fun of like the other day I was eating dinner and the table next to me or I was going to order dinner and the table next to me the girl had a really good looking pasta dish and so I just leaned over and tapped one of the girls on the shoulder and I said what's what's that pasta you're eating and she told me and um the person I was eating with was like you are so weird it's <laughs> so funny I because I'm very I much that doesn't yeah, even I like, like I talk like, to oh, all the strangers in terms of I saw someone yesterday who almost slipped and fell and I, I just happened to be staring at her she almost slipped and fell and I like called across the restaurant I was like are you okay like I know I'm staring at you I just want to make sure I'm not making fun of you I just think that was really like unfortunate she yeah. was like oh yeah I'm good so some people don't know how to react some people like it but yeah. I think that's probably the weirdest thing I do is I just yeah really cozy up to strangers and like people's kids too people are always like why do you just talk to random babies I'm like because they're nice <laughs> I love that yeah. I, I like that you call, I'm looking at your your Cleveland thing right now I like that you call out or you notice the, yeah. the Cleveland thing because I'm wondering my boyfriend was in town this weekend and we started counting how many Michigan and Michigan State shirts or hats yeah. we saw just walking around 
and there were so many. I think we got to like seven or eight. Yeah. And I was like, he said to me, he's like, how many Ohio State sweaters do you think we've seen that we just haven't noticed? Yeah. Because why well, do you think that Michigan? I feel like there was probably a big New York population who part of the New York population who so. went to University of Michigan because I see those. My I actually, my boss went to University of Michigan. Okay. Yeah. All right, because so, so maybe it's actually. A I thing. tend to see, I I tend to really notice it. I don't see a lot of Ohio State. I see a lot of Cavs jerseys and whatnot. Yeah, and I'll usually try to be like, "Oh, I'm from Cleveland." Yeah, and they're like, "Oh, cool, me too." Yeah, <laughs> which you know because I'm wearing a Cleveland shirt. Yeah, yeah. I always like kind of smile. I'm like, I wonder if they just like see that I'm smiling or if yeah. they are noticing that remember what they're wearing because sometimes yeah. if I have a shirt that says something, I forget that I'm even wearing. Right, that totally. Says something. Yeah. So anyway, definitely. Okay, I want to ask you some of the questions that I ask everyone who comes on the podcast. So we talk a lot about body image on this podcast and as women, and I think just as people, it's something that we deal with. So as a young woman living in New York, working, have you ever struggled with body image and how do you shift out of that and come back to yourself and being okay as a person in the world? Um, Yes, I I think... I would imagine that most people say yes to that. Um, no one said no. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, what you can't see in this apartment, for those listening, is the person who is renting it to me installed a lot of mirrors on all of the walls. Yes. As you can see, if you look around. I was thinking that. Which is like a nice... It's nice to have one mirror in a studio apartment because it's supposed to like make it look bigger. I was going to say, probably that's But yeah, what you it. can't see is there are mirrors all over. So when I moved into this apartment, I really had to come to terms with the fact I could see myself, and all they're the not time. like mirrors you can cover up. They're no, like they're floor to ceiling, and your closet onto the walls. Mirror. Yeah, I don't yeah. really know why she did what she did, but she did it. <laughs> um, I struggled a lot with body image in um, middle school and high school. I had, which I wrote an essay about for real simple. I had um, trichotillomania, still have it, mm-hmm. which is a hair pulling uh, disorder. Um, which is like you pull out eyebrows or hairs from your head or eyelashes, um, obsessively, usually related to anxiety. So that's pretty much where most of my body image um, issues come from. I'm not, I don't think, I don't ever look in the mirror and say like, wow, you have just perfect body. But more or less I know that I'm healthy and whatnot. But I do have that, um, you know, for what it's worth that I'm working through that is pretty much those who know me now know about it because I wrote about it. Um, And, yeah, I mean, that calligraphy has been a really big, it all kind of comes back. That was why I needed to keep my hands occupied. So I literally stopped Mm -hmm. pulling my hair out. So um, it's more just, it's not that I look in the mirror every day and say, oh, you're so beautiful. It's just that I move on with my life. Um, Do you know Arden Rose? I don't. She's a YouTuber, but I, I had her on the podcast and we talked about she has trick trick. Yeah, the, that's what people. I I thought that that's how it's abbreviated, but I'm not sure. I don't know. That's, that's how. She but that's what it. I call it, just because it's very long to spell. It is. It is. Yeah. Um. But anyway, she she talked about that and which was which yeah, was new really to me and it was. I'll have to look her I'm up. really glad we had that conversation. Yeah. Yeah. And it's it's great that people have talked about this from every angle, like you know, not just weight or size not just you know yeah from all of these different angles so I love that yeah what about your relationship with social media and your phone that's something else I think is so interesting to talk about with people and especially for you working yeah. in media it's a it's a love-hate relationship 
I was a social manager for two years, so I was glued to social media and my phone because I had to be updating the Facebook and Twitter and Instagram whatnot handles for the brand. So is that like a 24-7 situation? or how There's a that... scheduler, so mm-hmm. we can schedule things out, but more or less it was... There if was something... Right. Real Simple didn't have a ton of breaking right. news, but there were weekends and there was night work and whatnot. Um, so I, I personally, Instagram has become a really positive place for me, like especially with the calligraphy community. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, it's a very specific community that doesn't deal with, you know, no one on there is posting facetious photos, yeah. you know, cropping out the the whole picture. It's all just like sharing art, yeah. which I think is a really great place to be. Yeah. Um, I don't like Facebook. I mean, I guess I get my news from it, but I just don't find it relevant to me anymore. I think... And Twitter, I used to stay informed, but like I said earlier, it's become really overwhelming. Yeah. Um, Ashley Ford and I talked about the fact that it's like if you're if if you see the tweet four minutes after it happens, there's it's not going to change your response right. if you see it an hour later. Yeah, you know, I loved it, that. it just means that you're freaking out fifty six minutes before other people are freaking yeah. out. Um, so I really try to manage it. I try to. I definitely try to unplug at night, which is kind of a cheesy thing to say, but um, I've really tried to unplug at night, and I've tried not to do use it on my commute, too. Additionally, I was told repeatedly by my cell phone provider that I am using an exorbitant amount of data, so I need to cut back. Um, so I, yeah, I, I try to find the places on the internet that make me feel happy and try to ignore the rest. I like being informed. I like reading journalists that I love. I like my Instagram community, um, and I don't like much else. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. So my my book came out about a year ago about journaling, mm-hmm. and as a writer, is journaling something that you've ever found helpful? Has it writing been cathartic for you? Can you talk about your relationship to that now yeah. working in... Not, I guess now you're not a writer, so is it still yeah. something you do? I wish I wrote more. I really, really do. I For a while... I tried to keep up a digital journal, like I would just open my computer and write for 15 minutes every day. I think I'm a little bit maxed out in that I read and I do calligraphy and I have the full-time job, so I I wish I wrote more, honestly. I have a lot of great ideas in my head, (laughs) but I just don't always have time to get them on paper. Um, The times that I get to write essays or the times that I get to sit down and write a couple lines are really fun for me. I think it's just going to be a matter of something else has to drop before I can really give it its due. What I don't like is I'm not a big fan, ironically, of a physical journal, which is funny because I like handwriting so much. Um, So I'm not crazy about typing because I feel like the computer can be kind of distracting. So I just haven't quite figured out how to make it work for yeah. me. I mean, I might find eventually that a jur- maybe I need to read your book about journaling. <laughs> well, I'm seeing where it would fit on the yeah, color yeah. shelf. What color is the binding? It, it's white and pink. So oh, I'm so thinking, tough. yeah, we might have to just cut it in half. Yeah, exactly. So it works well on your there shelf. There you go. We'll figure it out. Um, so yeah, I, I wish I had a better relationship with writing. I will say that my computer has a, a whole mess of folders of just like things I've written over the years that I yeah. I sometimes like going back and reading um, essays and whatnot but yeah. 
my sister's a great writer. I she she writes a lot. Are you guys close? You're close in age, you said? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does she are. live in the city? She doesn't. She's actually going to medical school in the fall oh, in cool. Ohio. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cool. I guess which is the fall, like, so tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so weird. Yeah. Can't believe that. I know. What about feminism? How do you define feminism, and what does your feminism look like to you today? Um, oh, I've never had to define that before. I guess I just define it the way everyone defines it, which is that why shouldn't men and women be equal and why shouldn't everyone who wants to identify as a woman be considered as equal as anyone who, you know, is, I don't know, genetically considered a woman at birth or whatnot or whatever the correct terms are. I just think that it means that women need a seat at the table and it probably should be at the head of the table, right next to whoever else is sitting at the head of the table. Um, I think the female leaders that we have to look up to are are really at, at this age are just really incredible and they they like you said earlier they help us um, develop empathy which I think is something that we all need right now and it's kind of a superpower that people don't talk about enough it's not just bravery or intelligence it's like that empathy card that people don't have yeah. um, how do I act my feminism was that the question yeah, I, I think you really kind of answered everything yeah. I was I was wondering about, but how, try to what it looks women. like in your life. Yeah. yeah, I just try to read, like my books, I try to read women, diverse women. I try to to support socially, like really powerful women. I feel like I'm, my first bosses were powerful women. I feel like I'm surrounded all the time by, by really powerful, wonderful women. My friend and I started... Um, another Instagram account called Craft for Change which is we kind of collect artists who have all happened to be female um, who do activist minded artwork and they kind of sell it through us in exchange for a donation to a cause they care about so I think my feminism is pretty millennial in the sense that it kind of is rooted in social media Um, but it's just like why shouldn't everyone just why shouldn't everyone have an yeah. equal seat at the table and in some ways I feel like probably there are places where women probably should have more seats at the table mm-hmm. because they've been denied them for a fairly long time and yeah. they have a lot to say <laughs> yes preach yeah completely agree I love this question because it really gives me a picture into people's lives so what are your morning routines maybe the first three mm-hmm. things you do when you wake up in the morning and how that affects that the, how the rest of your day goes sure um I have actually become a really big runner and since moving to New York, which I think is just me trying to seek out greenery in the city. So I would say four out of five mornings I go for a run um, in the morning, and then I come back and I'm, I have a very minimal morning routine. I would love to say I eat breakfast. I usually don't. It's usually a granola bar or a banana when I get to work. I would love to say that I have amazingly professional makeup routine it's usually moisturizer and eyeliner um I usually wash my face with makeup remover so (laughs) I'm not like a skincare guru but um I usually uh I like to download the crossword and a podcast for my commute in the morning um so the that New York I, Times app? I use the New York I Times crossword every morning. So I download it before I leave my apartment so that I can turn my phone on to airplane mode so I don't have to use data. Um, my commute's about 40 minutes. It's really nice. So I can either be doing the crossword or I'll read or I'll listen to a podcast. So it's some sort of just like alone time. Um, I actually love 
a long commute. I used to, my morning routine, I used to live close to my office and I used to walk 45 minutes to and from work, which was really nice. Um, on days that I don't run, I wake up way too late and have been known to get ready in seven minutes and mm-hmm. out the door. Um, that's sort of how I go. What about in the evening? How do you spend your evenings? What are the last few things you do before bed? Uh, I come home. If I don't have dinner plans, I'll make dinner. It's usually pretty simple. I set up my calligraphy table and will either do, if I have commission projects I'm working on or just doodling, usually have Netflix on in the background. Right now I'm on a Parks and Rec kick or I'm watching Rested Development for the first time. Um, and I like to read before bed, whether it's a chapter or five pages. I can usually tell how tired I am after I've read one page. If I notice that the words aren't registering, I'll put it away. But um, I'm usually home by 6.30, so I can get in a couple hours of practice and TV and usually have time to make dinner and then have time to read before bed. Cool. Love that. Okay, so this is the quick fire round. So just okay. say, like, the first thing that comes to mind. Sure. Favorite color? Purple. Favorite day of the week? Saturday. Favorite hour of the day? These ones are just 8 PM. to warmed up. 8 p.m. Okay. Yeah. What's one thing you wish people would ask you that you don't get to talk about often? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. And this is supposed to be speed. I and did now it. I, now I don't know what to say. That's why I start out easy to, like, warm people up. Um... My friend and I are really trying to get out the word about a Craft for Change, yeah, which is our Instagram project. Yeah, how can people find it? How can people get involved? It's on Instagram at Craft for Change. Cool. We'll put um, it in the show notes. Two days a week, we have unique original artwork for sale, and I put sale in quotes because it's the price is a donation to a specific cause, and then we're always looking for new artists who want to contribute. Cool. Very so. cool. I feel like maybe people listening to this podcast will reach out. It's Please, Craft exciting. for Change. What is one thing that you wish more people knew about you specifically is there anything um I do think it's funny that I was a theater kid so I do tend to tend I kind of whip that out as a funny anecdote what was your favorite Broadway show growing up oh that's a good question um I loved I mean I this is a horrible answer but I loved them all I mean I remember loving the music man I remember seeing Wicked yeah I remember seeing Wicked in um in New York my sister was the lead in Once on this Island and it always made me cry and she was in seventh grade um I just saw a bandstand with a with a friend of mine who I did theater with in high school Corey Cott who's now in bandstand so there's a lot of really good stuff out there that's really cool what's the best thing you've eaten in the last week I just went to hometown barbecue for the first time which is in New York and it's a barbecue place and I'm not a big like barbecue meat person Mm -hmm. but they have these really good Korean spicy wings sticky spicy wings or something like that um, that were incredible cool what's the greatest lesson you've learned about relationships probably (laughs) as my boyfriend sits on the away away, he'll laugh which is that um, just to be a better communicator and to um, talk through what's going on rather than just figuring it'll blow over. So, yeah. working on it. <laughs> <laughs> Greatest lesson on family? That there's nothing replaces a phone call. That you need to call call your parents, call your sister, because a text, they're not going to be able to tell you everything. Mm-hmm. You're not going to be able to hear the sound of their voice. Um, 
if you don't make the time to call them. Nice. What about on spirituality, God, what happens when we, when we die? Where are you with all of that right now? Oh, God. I see. I don't like that's like my, I don't, I can't think about that because it really bothers, it really freaks me out. I actually you. was just reading a book that had an essay that really dealt with that, with her dog and like where her dog goes. And I, I had to skip the essay because it, I, I don't really have yeah. a theory. It, it, it gets too big for my brain. Yeah. Did you grow up with a religion or with a... I grew up in a conservative Jewish temple. Mm-hmm. I still find, like, the Jewish culture. I, you know, I celebrate all the holidays and um, love my Jewish heritage. I just haven't really gotten to that part of it yet. Yeah. I don't even... I don't know that I've ever even, like, heard my rabbi talk about it or anything. Yeah. Okay, this is also a challenging question, so... Okay. <laughs> I don't know, that last one was a big one for me, so this right. probably will feel easy. <laughs> okay, good. Okay, good. So you're having a dinner party, and you can oh, invite no. five people. Who do you invite? What do you cook slash eat? And what do you hope someone turns and asks you? And what do you hope that doesn't come up that you don't want to talk about? Oh, my goodness. Okay, I think I have to break this up. So first, what do I cook Who's... and... I'll do what do I cook and eat okay, first. Okay, great. I make, I'm a pasta person. I know I can make great pasta. Cool. So I'll do probably pasta with chicken sausage and vegetables and call nice. it a day. And I will also make my Aunt Fern and my mom my, our, our chocolate chip coffee cake, chocolate chip cake recipe for dessert. Ooh. Because that's the family. What? Chocolate chip and cake? Yeah, it's, a cho- it's like a coffee, like a breakfast cake. That sounds amazing. I have yet to perfect it, but I'll make it for this fancy dinner. Or okay. even have your mom make it. Right, and it send it. <laughs> and so who, five people to have dinner with. Oh, goodness. Ruth Bader Ginsburg is one. RBG classic. Is this like dead or alive type thing? Or yeah, is this all, they all have to be alive? Nah, either way. I think I'm going to make them all alive. Okay. Because it'll That'll narrow it. Yeah. yeah. Um... I know how you are with this. This is horrible. I know I want Ruth there, though. Great. Ruth has to be there. That came easy. Um, Oh, jeez Louise. (laughs) Now I have to, like, take a peek at my bookshelf. Yeah. Oh, you know who I would have be there? Chimamanda Ngozi Adichie, who's one of my favorite authors in the world. Cool. She wrote Americana and Half a Yellow Sun and The Thing Around Your Neck. She's wonderful. I would have her there. Um... Great. That's two. <laughs> Tina Fey. Oh, or Amy Poehler. Oh, God. This is horrible. They can both come. <laughs> then that. Then it's I only have one left. Okay, I'm going to say Tina. Okay. Because. She can bring a date. Right. Because, well, like, maybe Amy will FaceTime Right. Me. Okay, so Tina. So, what am I at? Three? Yeah. This is horrible. Um, Michelle Obama. And... I'm going to invite my mom because if she's going to bring the dessert, I think she deserves she to come to the dinner. She's going to sit at the table. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm going to bring my Aunt Sarah instead of my mom. Okay. I mean, my mom, I don't, I, I want my mom to come, but I think the, with the people at the table, my Aunt Sarah would, she's also the most fascinating, wonderful, happy mm-hmm. person, and I want her to be there. Cool. She's 90. And she's Aww. the greatest ever and Aww. the most wonderful person alive. So I think she should come to dinner. Yeah. Is that five people? Yeah, Am I that done? sounds right. Okay. That sounds right. And what else do I have to answer? Um, what do you hope you guys talk about at the table, and what do you hope that doesn't come up that you don't want to talk about? I hope Ruth just tells us all her life story forever, and we can all just talk about everything she's accomplished and everything wonderful. 
Um, I would love for us to all make book recommendations for each other so I can hear, like, what Michelle Obama's reading and what Ruth wants me to read. Yeah. Um, and what Tina wants me to read and what anyone wants me to read. I'll, I'll do it. Um, and what do we hope doesn't come up? Uh, math. <laughs> Great. I don't, I don't want anyone to ask me any math. Yeah. I don't want anyone to yeah, ask right. me... Yeah. Or Ever. <laughs> right. Preferably. Or, like, or I don't want anyone to ask me, like, to describe the wine. Or to make a decision about <laughs> yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Okay, so this last one, um, second to last one, is really just a way to recommend things. So okay. pretend you're trapped on a deserted island and you can only bring with you one movie. Oh, my God. One you're book. <laughs> <laughs> one TV show. One music. Something to listen to. Okay. And um, one food. So we can go through them. Totally. Okay. One movie, The Parent Trap, starring Lindsay Lohan. Oh, so good. Except the part when they pierce the ears, it like, still makes me it's cringe. It's the greatest movie alive. If we had two and a half extra hours, I could recite the whole movie for you. Oh my god, that's amazing. Um, okay, one TV show. Oh, goodness gracious. And you can just recommend something you've always loved or something that you've been watching. This is really just a way for you to recommend things to people. So Okay, I just watched Veep for the first time. And I don't It's it. incredible. So... I feel like if I was on a deserted island, I would I would want the humor of Julia Louis Dreyfus yeah. to carry me through the waves. Um, a book everyone should read: Homegoing by Yagyasi. I think that book I could read it again and again and learn new things every time. And a food on a deserted island. What's something you love that you never get sick of, other than Cheerios pasta. and grape nuts? Oh, perfect. That's Cereal. my comfort. Cereal. That's my comfort dinner my mom it's a combination from my mom that I still any if I, I could have cheer I could be so hungry and have a bowl of Cheerios and grape nuts and be totally satisfied that's so funny my mom is huge on mixing cereals not that yeah. specific combination no one mixes but... grape nuts no <laughs> one will ever say grape nuts I'm actually surprised they're still in like being made that's so funny um but yeah it's like it, it's like a magic potion it, it'll satisfy me at any time oh, it's so funny how like Food and smells and songs can do yeah. that and, like, be so nostalgic. Yeah. What about music? What is something you've been listening to recently or something that you've uh, always loved? I, I'm, I hate to say that I'm not a big music person. I just saw Dear Evan Hansen, so I've been listening to that soundtrack. I'm dying to see that. I have a soundtrack, a playlist that I subscribe to on, on Spotify called Powerful Broadway Women. So Ooh, I will. <laughs> nice. So I encourage you to search yeah. on that. We'll put um, in the show it's notes. all female Broadway ladies singing songs. Very cool. From shows, so. Cool. <laughs> that's that's the hip new music I'm into. I love that. <laughs> I, Evan, Dear Evan Hansen is very hip, yes. so it is very challenging. No, Dear Evan Hansen is a good one. My powerful Broadway women playlist is probably unique to <laughs> my musical taste. Well, I love it, and I'm probably going to listen to it on the way home. Great. Uh, I think that's everything. Awesome. So the name of this podcast is Let It Out. So when I offer that term to you, to let it out, is there anything that you feel that I missed or that you wanted to share that didn't come up? Or do you feel like I rang you dry? No, I feel like I really did get to let it out. I mean, we went from, we talked about the afterlife, we talked about books, decisions. we talked about decisions, we talked about my Cheerios, bombing, the, for, yeah, for, we talked about North Korea. I think, I think I'm out. <laughs> I think I did it. We did it. Thank you guys so much for listening. That was my conversation with Sam Zabel. She is so great, and I'm so glad that I got to meet her and have her on the podcast. 
Make sure you check out everything she mentioned in the episode. And before I tell you the emoji, let's just talk about how great the sponsors are one more time. Thank you so much to TakeCareOf.com for being one of the sponsors. I love their supplements. They really are the highest quality to deliver to you in the most beautiful packaging for the best price out there. It's great. I love them. And you can try them and get your own personalized recommendation by going to TakeCareOf.com, taking their short quiz, finding out what supplements you need, what you need to supplement nutrition-wise to have the most energy and feel your best for your skin, for your sleep, whatever you need, for your digestion, it's all there. And you can use the code Katie at checkout to get 50% off your order. That's half of the percents off just by using the code Katie at checkout. Thank you so much, Kara. Also, big thank you to FreshBooks.com. FreshBooks is the easy-to-use online cloud accounting software that I love. It helps you keep track of your finances like a boss. You can send invoices to clients. You can just keep track of your daily spending. It's really great. And the great thing about this in particular, you listening right now and me talking about FreshBooks, is that you can get a 30-day unrestricted free trial by going to freshbooks.com slash let it out and entering let it out in the how did you hear about us section. Again, that's freshbooks.com slash let it out and make sure you enter let it out in the how did you hear about us section. Okay, that was a mouthful. Thank you so much if you're still listening right now. I promise I'm going to tell you the emoji. But quickly, if you want to support the podcast, supporting the sponsors is really helpful. And also leaving a review on iTunes, very helpful. Thank you so much to everyone who's already done so. I read all of them and they make me so happy and grateful. And this is my favorite thing I've ever done and I want to keep doing it. If you want to support the show, you can also send in a contribution and you can just Venmo that. The info is in the show notes or you can use PayPal, whatever you want to do if you know, if you don't want to use the sponsors and that's okay. And you know, they're great, but it's okay. And that's a way to support the show. If you feel like it, it's okay. If you don't too, it's a free podcast and I just want to keep doing it. If you want to support that, that would be cool. Also, thank you to everyone who listened to last week's episode. When I did the Q and a, you were all really nice and gave me such great feedback on that. If you have more questions or you want me to switch directions with anything I'm doing on the podcast, just let me know. I've been recording a ton and really happy with the way things are going and the direction of this podcast. So I would love your feedback and your thoughts. The Facebook group for listeners is probably the best place to give that feedback. So join that. The link is in the show notes. Thank you guys so much for listening. And the emoji for this episode, without further ado, is the pen emoji. I mean, the writing utensil with ink because as you heard from this episode sam is a calligrapher so i thought a great emoji would be the pen because she uses one i think or maybe it's a marker but it's probably a special pen so let's go with the pen thank you so much for listening for supporting the show and being my friends some of you i've met some of you i haven't met yet but i will meet soon oh and i'm doing an event i meant to say this at the beginning anyway I'm doing an event, a live podcast at the end in Brooklyn. It's a coffee shop, the home of the unicorn latte, the original unicorn latte. And they have amazing other lattes too. They are currently selling my book 
and I'm having the founders on my podcast and doing a live podcast with Q&A and we get to all hang out and have a latte. It's at 6.30 on August 24th in Williamsburg, Brooklyn. So if you are around or you can make it, please come. I would love to see you. It's free. There's no charge. We're just hanging out and recording. Okay, I love you guys and I'll talk to you next week. Send me the emoji for this week's episode. Put it on Instagram. I'm at Katie Dalebo on Instagram on all of social media, and I'll talk to you guys then. Love you. Bye.